You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. Hey y'all, this is Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First and the host of this podcast, Women of Influence. This podcast features conversations with Columbus's leading women in business in which they talk about how they gained power, how they keep it, and how other women can follow in their footsteps. Today we're chatting with Renee Cachillo, Executive Vice President and Chief Customer Experience Officer at Safe Light Auto Glass. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's it's quite an honor. I just want to start, if you could tell me a little bit about your background, sort of where you grew up and how you made your way to Columbus. Sure. So I actually grew up on the West Coast. My dad was an engineer, so we moved around a little bit. So Seattle, Washington, Eugene, Oregon, San Francisco Bay Area. And then both of my parents went to University of Kansas, and I decided to follow in their footsteps. So I also went there and met my husband when he was at dental school there and ended up in Columbus. Gotcha. When I saw you, you used to work for L Brands, is mm-hmm. that right? Yes. Tell me a little bit about what the jump looked like going from L Brands to Safelite, because obviously you're, you're still kind of in that retail world, but it's a different type of retail. Yeah, I would actually say it was a jump. I've had kind of three big jumps. So mm-hmm. one from Accenture. So I, I joined Accenture for a while, and that was a really different environment where you could learn as quickly as you needed to. We're surrounded by a lot of really bright people, but you were also on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left Accenture to because I had twin daughters mm-hmm. and started to struggle with being everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. So um, I joined L Brands and found that to be really, really rewarding. But I uh, didn't realize when I walked in how many women were there until I was there. Mm-hmm. And very, very different diversity at L Brands, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. And sincerely, when I joined Safe Light Auto Glass, I didn't even think a thing about it until I walked in the door and was sitting in meetings. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of guys here. <laughs> so <laughs> for me, it's always been a little bit more about the work and the role. Uh-huh. And so I've learned how to adapt in the different environments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are there ways that that feels different, being in a, in a larger female-dominated environment versus a male one? I think it is a little bit different working with more females than mm-hmm. more men. I don't I don't try to make that such an emphasis. Mm-hmm. I've had mentors who are women that I've really enjoyed, and I've also chosen to have mentors who are men so that I work well with men as well. So I mm-hmm. think as long as the conscious effort's there, yeah, you can adapt and flex as needed. Gotcha. Is that mentorship, has that largely been within the companies you've worked for, or have you ever cultivated a, either having a mentor or a mentee that you've found sort of outside of your direct uh, 
I still have a mentor from Accenture. Uh Um, It kind of fosters that culture because you move to different projects and you lose touch with one another, but you're still in the same company for a period of time. And that kind of perpetuates. Mm -hmm. We're used to working in a virtual way. Mm -hmm. And I still have mentees from Accenture. Mm -hmm. At L Brands, I actually selected to have a female mentor in a totally different function. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still stay in touch today, even though we've both left and have careers in different places. Mm-hmm. And I found that by not having someone that was in a competitive landscape, not in the same area of business, it was a really, really healthy relationship that we could grow on from personal lives to professional lives to just personal interests. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. Gotcha. I've enjoyed that. Do you have people now who, who reach out to you who want some of your mentorship experience or guidance and I have people who will drop me a text and say, hey, can we grab coffee? I have two different opportunities I'm thinking about. Or, you know, I'm thinking about going to this area. It's not really natural for me. You know, mm-hmm. how would you approach it going in? So, yes, I still have people that I continue to network with. Yeah, And you're, you're totally open to building those relationships with yes. uh, younger people. Yes. And, in fact, when I have some of team members will leave, right, because they come up with an opportunity they never thought they'd get. You're always like, well, we'd love to have you come back, but if not, I'd still love to help you be successful. Mm-hmm. So always know that it's a safe place. Yeah. And I think it, I think people need that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, well, it looks like as I was sort of looking at your, your background before the interview that you've really had kind of a steady climb at Safe Flight. So tell me a little bit about that. Has that been driven by you kind of, you know, every couple of years seeking out what's the next opportunity? Is that a culture the company promotes the advancement, just sort of how have you approached the way that you've built your career in advance throughout the years? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I'll, I'll see if I answer it exactly how you're looking for it. <laughs> um, so I would say two ways. So one, it is something that Safe Light does. If they see talent, they don't necessarily believe that great leaders can only lead a functional area of expertise. They believe that they can diversify and lead other areas of business, even if they aren't the subject matter expert. And so that's definitely been the case with me, where I've had the opportunity to take on marketing and technology, and now I actually have a division called Safe Light Solutions, which is our strategic sales. Mm -hmm. And so those opportunities have been provided to me where other companies may not have been so open um, Mm -hmm. and flexible, but I've really had a a great opportunity to be stretched a little bit with leadership support. I would say for me, it's always about the work. So I struggle to turn my brain off sometimes Mm because I like the work. And I don't always think about the position. And I Mm -hmm. think that's helped me, even though I also know that there have always been times in people's career where you're like, I just, I think I'm ready to be a vice president or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I've been a generalist and a specialist throughout my career. And in fact, I was a VP for a period of about 10 years. And someone else may have thought that was too long to stay at the same level. I personally found it as a great way to round myself out. Mm -hmm. And how recently did you move into your current role? I actually just got promoted in March. Okay, great. Yes. What was the hardest part of that transition or the scariest part of moving into the new role? I think first is the team had always provided great success to Safe Light that I inherited. So I'm now <laughs> leading. And can you add value? You know, mm-hmm. can you actually help them get to the next level? And what does it even look like? And mm-hmm. how do you also honor the success that they've generated for the company and make them feel like you're really proud to be here because of what they've accomplished and how you want to help them get to that next level? Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? What are you most excited about? Well, I'm, I'm still working on that strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it's around talent development. It's around future roadmaps for the group. It's around succession planning to make sure our people build out great capabilities and can become very marketable and do the things they want to do. 
And in a company that's been growing so fast, sometimes it's easy just to survive the year or get to the next year, but how do we actually develop those capabilities for our teams so we can succeed, sustain our growth, but also build our people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's take a step back a little bit. Tell me, what exactly does a chief customer experience officer do? Well, my number one priority is to create a wonderful experience for our customers. And that means our clients, so insurance clients that we serve. It also means the end customer that may work with SafeLight Autoglass directly. So across every line of the business, how do I make it easy for our customers to do business with us and make sure that the experience they have is memorable? Mm-hmm. Because we're in a negative service category, so you, most people don't have glass damage. Mm-hmm. And so I want them from the point that they have damage and they don't even think of, oh, what should I do? I mm-hmm. want them to know who we are and actually help them find us, whether it's through Google and digital advertising or they've heard about us on TV or radio. And I want them to come in and actually see that the experience to work with us is really easy, very mm-hmm. simple and tailored to them. And then once they schedule that appointment, whether it's with SafeLight Autoglass or another glass provider, we want to make sure that that's also very convenient for them and that the way that they, they want to work with us. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How big a team are you kind of directly managing or working with every day? So I have 10 direct reports and a little over 3,000 people in the organization. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are customer-facing. So the biggest population is actually our contact centers mm-hmm. where we work directly with customers and clients on the phone. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm asking a lot of negative questions, but what do you feel like is the biggest mistake you've made in your career? Not making enough mistakes. (laughs) So I I think for a long time I was very hierarchical, even nervous sometimes to break out of the boundary. Maybe I put parameters on my, like, what was the right approach to take or who, who should I talk to next or escalation paths. I think in my mind, I was a little more perfectionist than I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And with the expanded responsibility, I've had to really learn to trust my team mm-hmm. and to earn their trust so that I can help guide more and do less and build their capability. And mm-hmm. so I probably hung on to the details longer than I should have mm-hmm. is a simple mm-hmm. way to answer your question. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it's okay not to be in the details always. <laughs> so you feel like you've made that transition mm-hmm. more in this new role that uh, so what is that? This is a weird question, but is there an example of a way that you've let go of some of those details? Yeah, I actually would say the way that I've done that is by hiring talent that knows more than I do in select areas. Mm-hmm. So when you have a breadth of responsibility like I do, you really need great talent who's the expert and not you. And mm-hmm. you have to be really comfortable to build them and guide them and develop them, even though you aren't the expert in their field. And that, that takes a little leadership courage because yeah. you could get a little intimidated by that as well. Mm-hmm. I've been able to do that with my marketing team, my digital team, the technology group, and now in solutions. And when you look at that, that really sets the company up for future growth, but it also helps you be a broader leader and you learn from them too. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think learning from your people is one of the best gifts that you get back as a leader. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for people who have talents or abilities, you know, maybe beyond what you even do. What else are you looking for when you're hiring people? I'm really looking for people who have that positive mindset and attitude. We believe in servant leadership at SafeLight. And so you want someone who really wants to help the customer, but also help our associate, who's also our customer, to make it easier for them to work with those customers. Mm -hmm. So you want someone who's going to come in and say, how can we do this versus why we can't do this? So it's that positivity approach around glasses half full versus half empty, Mm -hmm. especially if you've been in a business for a long time. You can say, oh, we tried that five years ago. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm looking for, right? I'm actually looking for people who say, hey, this person's really passionate about this idea. How do we help them bring it to life? Mm -hmm. I feel like you should make that the glass is 
like half fixed, not half broken. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Um, oh. Let's see. What do you think is the best decision you have ever made in your career? Oh, that's a tough one. I know. It's a big one. It's a I feel big, like. broad question. <laughs> I think for me personally, it's been to take a risk. Mm-hmm. The risk that I knew I might fail. Mm-hmm. To actually be willing to go in and lead an area and not know uh-huh. <laughs> if I was going to be successful at it. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the thing that I did to be successful is I just took a piece at a time. I didn't try and swallow it all or be all that the next day. It was, where can I start? Where can I start and incrementally make a difference? And then how does that build? And then how do I start to broaden that vision versus being afraid of it and turning away from it because it was really outside of my skill set? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's helped me grow tremendously. It's also humbled me a lot. And mm-hmm. I think people love to work with genuine, humble people who are like, I don't know how, but I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've had to actually say to my team, I need to learn. I don't understand. To teach me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that puts you in a vulnerable spot that makes you more appealing and makes people feel relaxed around you. So they want to share with you more and they want to help you get to the common goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you were talking to someone who was young, and this is kind of on the same point, but young in their career, you know, just out of school who wanted to follow in your footsteps, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say don't try and plan it all out from day one, mm-hmm. right? Some of us get so linear in our path and set so many time frames that it actually puts pressure on ourselves that's not really in our control, even if we are super talented. And be open to an opportunity that may be different than what they were thinking because mm-hmm. you just never know where that path will take you. What did, when you were much younger, when you were like a little kid, let's start there, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, once I got past being wanting to be a ballerina <laughs> or a singer, I actually wanted to be a pediatrician. Oh. And I, when I went to school, I went for pre-med, mm-hmm. as many kids do. And I don't even think I got into organic chemistry before I got afraid of organic <laughs> chemistry. And then I decided to take a business class because my, uh-huh. dad, my dad wanted me to learn the math behind the business if I ever became a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. so that's the path then that I chose. Mm-hmm. So you don't regret not uh, going into medicine? Not at all. Feels like I, a lot of time. I it? think I'd have been good with the kids. I don't know about the moms. Yeah. <laughs> I think about all the moms. I know what I was like as a mom <laughs> with the little kids. So Yeah, so you said you have a set of twins, mm-hmm. and then is that it, or do you have any other kids? That is it. How so old are your twins? They're now? 18, and I dropped oh them off at college two weeks ago. Oh, boy. So we're in kind of that tentative uh-huh. land Did of... Did they go far away, or are they They actually went to Miami of okay. Ohio, so... Okay, so like a little bit of distance, but not too yep. much. So. Yep, two and a half hours or so, and they can't come home unless I know they're coming home right now. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about your early in your career, it was kind of hard to uh, when you were in Accenture with the kids. How did you handle that kind of, you know, the work-life balance question that women always get asked uh, as your kids were growing up? Yeah, I mean, to act like it's easy, it's not. It's a, it's a daily juggling act. I have a, I have a great husband who mm-hmm. has definitely helped. He, he's a periodontist, and he actually has a big job as well. So mm-hmm. for us, it's always that teamwork, the communication. Once we got past, you know, daycare and elementary grade, though, they started to have activities. Mm-hmm. And that's when it became really challenging because they needed to be somewhere at 3 o'clock mm-hmm. or 4 o'clock. And you're like, neither of us can do that. And so I had to ask other working moms for help. Yeah. And I remember when I was at L Brands, I asked someone in the legal department, how do you do this? Like, how do I, your daughter's amazing and she's two years older than my girls. And how have you managed this? And so I actually reached out and hired some Ohio State students to oh. help 
pick them up, expose them to things, you know, actually take them their activities, make sure they were okay. And so we found a plan for us that really worked, but everybody's got to find their own plan. Mm-hmm. So I have other friends who have done nannies, have decided to stay home midway, and I think any any decision's right as long as you're comfortable with it and you feel like your kids are in a good place. Yeah. I feel like it was eye-opening. My mom stayed home, so when I kind of like became an adult in the workforce and realized in the summer how challenging it is for oh. people with kids, you got to do like the camp like Jenga of like scheduling everything just seems overwhelming so I agree (laughs) um well a little bit more about you uh where will we find you on a free Saturday well right now I'm going to be at the Ohio State game ah (laughs) um so my husband's like once the girls went to college it used to be mom day Ohio State games were mom day and now Uh it's I don't have anyone to go hang out mom day with so now I'm (laughs) hanging out at Ohio State games so I'm enjoying it Uh uh-huh is your did your husband, is he from here? Then? Yeah, he grew up in the Coshocton, Ohio. Okay, so that's yeah. where the Columbus, yes, Ohio Ty, State, Yes, Yeah, everything. and he went to Ohio State for his residency. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. And I got to watch the Safe Light Net go up on the field goal. So it actually ah. helps me. It's a little work and pleasure all at the same time. <laughs> but outside of that, you'll typically find me hanging out with friends, mm-hmm. maybe shopping, sometimes mm-hmm. traveling for the weekend, going, going and seeing family. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, you'll see me. At Lynn's Fruit Farm, apple picking and doing all those fun activities. What's your biggest, if you've had a real stressful day, how do you unwind from that? I go on a walk with my dog. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I talk it all out. And then by the time I get home, I'm pretty much over it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's good. It's amazing how much, like, if you're just, you know, taking some time, going on a run or a walk or whatever, Mm -hmm. can really clear your head. Clear your head. And what about books? What are you reading or what do you like to read? Well... I've been reading a couple on customer experience recently, mm-hmm. uh, but I also prefer just to read uh, different kinds of articles and even HBR reviews and things like that. Mm-hmm. For pleasure, though, I usually try and read something from a, a leadership mindset change, something that will just shake me up a little bit with more of a storyline behind mm-hmm. it of how someone went into a factory and changed the business and what it meant to the people and really kind of follow along on the journey. But for pure pleasure, I like mysteries. Well, okay. So. Great. Me too. <laughs> What's your favorite mystery or one that's really stood out to you lately? I like some of the, gosh, I'm blanking out. Um, <laughs> Along Came a Spider. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. so I like some of those quite mm-hmm. a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess kind of circling back, you were talking about this a little bit at the beginning, but this is a real deep question. How do you feel about thinking about yourself as a as a powerful woman in business? Do you like to kind of focus on that or would you rather just be thought of as a powerful person in business and kind of how do you view the pros and cons of that i i think as you get to know me you'll find that there's not a part of me that thinks of me as powerful even (laughs) though i know i am Uh, that's just not how i'm wired i have a really strong work ethic i love to work if anything i have to control my brain Mm -hmm. and so for me i don't think about it in either way like that i want to be a good person Mm mm-hmm I want to be a person people can believe in that can help other people do things. I want to achieve great things as well. But I just want to be the person who is, one, gracious for the opportunities I've been provided and also grateful and appreciative when people will help me if I need help. And I would like to return that favor as well. Well, I think any any parting thoughts you'd like to leave our, our listeners with? We talked a little bit about advice that you have for them, but anything else you want to say? I would say the biggest things are, you know, don't be afraid to fail. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I I have found is I spend very little time when I succeed cherishing why I was successful. 
But if I think about my failures, I learn a ton from it. And just so you can quickly move on, that's what's really important. I'd say the other thing is um, don't hesitate to make decisions, right? It's better to make a decision and then have to take a second step because of the decision you've made Mm -hmm. than to hem and haw around over something. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you can just make the call, that it actually helps free up the mind space of others and can help the team really move very well together. So those would probably be my two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. big lessons learned. Yeah, there was a CEO I used to talk to who preached urgency and action. Because yeah. like you do it, and then you can respond. But if you don't do it, then yeah. you'll never know what's going to happen. And sometimes it's that not knowing that's just miserable, mm-hmm. right? And you lose a lot of uh, trust from people. And so it's like, let's just go. And worst case, we'll figure our, our way out of this one. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. But thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening.